Welcome to Live with Greg or Live with Greg, depending on semantics. <laughs> Now, is, are we being filmed? We are. Sweet. Hi, Michelle. Hi. All right. So um, I'm here with my very good friend, Michelle. Veneziano. Prego. <laughs> Donato. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I get Spanish and Italian mixed up so badly. Well, you got it better than I do, so you're good. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. So gracious of you. All right. So one thing I realized coming here is flow is an integral part of your practice. Is flow an integral no, part? No, yeah, it is. Like, oh, I yeah, know for that. sure. Right. And I don't really get what flow is. Aha. I actually think you totally get it. <laughs> However, you don't know that you get it. Because flow is what all of the world and nature does, except we don't really do it. When we separate ourselves from nature and we're not kind of in sync with the way that everything kind of interplays and, um, you know, the morphing and ebbing and flowing of cycles in nature and relationships between animals and, and plants and animals. And that's really vague and meta. Um, are we getting closer? Yeah, like to me okay. understanding? Yeah. Yeah. It, all right, so I have a question, because mm -hmm. I think I get that. How does human intellect fit into the flow of nature? Uh, a bunch of different ways to answer that. Basically, it's about whether or not we're in our bodies. Because if we're in our bodies, which also probably should be defined a little bit, because that's a buzzword that's you know people don't necessarily understand. Then what we're we have access to this whole well of innate knowledge, like our our intuitive body awareness, body intelligence, and particularly the heart, the grounded heart through the central axis of the body, the electrical body is able to inform the mind, drive the mind. And then we have brilliance and genius and insight and compassion and empathy and all the good stuff. But when we dissociate from our body connection, so the conscious mind dissociates from the subconscious, which is our typical way in the Western world, then we have this, um, I think of it as like, you know, they say you use 10% of your brain. Well, we... We have 10% of our intelligence, like conceivably here and 90% here. And we know scientifically that there are some 400 fold neural signals coming from the heart to the brain. So the heart is intended to drive the brain. And without this connection, the mind is runs amok and we're not in flow whatsoever because we can't feel how to be, um, in sync with everything, you know, entrained with the rhythms of the natural world. Okay, I've seen you twice now in this conversation talk about the heart, and you've pointed to what I would call the sternum, mm -hmm. and you've also pointed to like the lower chakras, like, and you've, so you've spoken of the heart, like I would think of the heart here. Yeah, I think of the heart here too, but I guess, um, there's also 
there's a whole line electrical uh, electrical activation that apparently um I've been speaking with, with Chinese medical doctors about this because I want to understand how the different lineages describe the phenomena in the body of balance and connectivity and communication. So apparently the kidneys, right? And we have the whole solar plexus down below here. The kidney chi is like, it's a, it seats the heart energy in the body. And so really... Um, all the organs organized to create this this uh, mechanism by which the body intelligence can inform our actions and our thinking and our awareness. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I wasn't really intending to okay. call the heart here, but it's all relevant. It's all one thing. It's, it's like the heart system. Um, um. I, I believe, okay, this is a great thing that this doctor... Um, my brilliant friend, Cyrus Falcon, she is the most brilliant acupuncturist I've ever met. I, I had a kind of a like vision when I met her, and I'm not a vision person, and I had this whole sense uh, it's as though I transported to some place and saw her as an ancient healing master. And I, and I, that was like a really weird thing. It kind of freaked me out, except that it had happened one time prior, 10 years prior at that point i was super freaked out and i didn't tell anybody but by this point i kind of had i say okay i've been here before i had this vision <laughs> and then i said to her uh i was like what do you say to a person i think you're an incarnate of an ancient healing master i was like that's really you know i think i'll just make a joke and keep it light and <laughs> so i said sarah's like i think you're an incarnate of an ancient healing master and then she she told me in that moment what she was, she was like, does she know? You know? So she then comes out of her treatment with me and decides to tell me that when she was a child, pre-verbally, she could see the meridians and, um, you know, the acupuncture points and touch them and unblock people's energy. So, whoo, I just got like chills. So I just consider Cyrus the um, kind of like my reference archive of what's actually happening. She's informed me too that because she sees all of this, that a lot of the academic presentations aren't really exactly accurate. Um, yeah, so I like to go to the source, the seer. So what Cyrus had told me was that, this is deep, you ready? Yeah. Okay, it's all about flow. Yeah. <laughs> That um, that basically, oh, God, this concept is so inspiring. Basically, we're mostly not in our bodies. We're just not committed to being in bodies. We're not really here on the planet. We're not um, understanding what the whole point of being here is and being... Um, because if we did, we'd be cooperative with one another. We'd understand the whole organism of it, that it's one thing, and that to injure your neighbor is to injure yourself. But divorced from our heart energy, we're not able to really cue into that. So what I'm talking about is actually essential to the survival of the planet. Uh, flow is essential. Awareness of flow, living in flow, living in consciousness. Flow is an embodiment of consciousness. This is essential more now than ever. Um, and so what she told me was that the spirit, the consciousness, will remain integrated with the physical body 
to the extent that love exists here. Otherwise, this is an inhospitable environment. The spirit's not interested. I'm out of here, right? You're not going to talk it into being here. So you need to open the heart. You need to um, stabilize the heart with the kidney chi. You need to anchor the heart with the lower chakras. You need to power the whole system with an accumulation of energy in the bio battery of the body, which is the solar plexus. And so... I actually think of the heart as the sun of the solar system of the whole constellation of the being, even though the solar plexus is called the solar plexus. And, and again, it's like an engine, the whole thing, the whole body's like a life force lung that has all these moving parts that all need to elegantly interplay. And then the body can do this uh, cyclic respirations, which in osteopathy we call primary respiration. It drives everything. It's the evidence of this consciousness. Okay, wait a minute. Yeah. Because you just blew my mind there and I went, wait. It's about you? time. <laughs> 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 so we have to go primary, what's the primary respiration? Res yeah, okay. I'm so glad you asked because everything I think about is, um, well, osteopathy is simply another language that describes nature as it manifests in the body. Okay, osteopathy is your practice. Yeah, I'm an osteopathic medical doctor, physician. Okay, mm -hmm. primary respiratory mm -hmm. is... Primary respiration is this deeper than the secondary respirations of the thoracic cavity in the lungs. It's the underlying um, manifestation of the pulse of nature in the body that ranges from 5 to 12 cycles per minute. And when optimal, is really in sync with the pulse of the planet. And this has been measured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's so like, wow, it's so otherworldly compared to where our non-rooted consciousness lives that that kind of information, whew, right. it just is like people just don't know where to, where to stick that. So you just, you're talking about the rhythm of the planet and that this respiratory, what is it? Primary respiratory Primaries mechanism or primary respiration. Is in sync with the planet respiratory. Well, everything's so. in sync with the respiratory. But there are so many different cycles happening, right? There's the larger pulse of the planet, um, and then there are multiple lesser cycles happening within cycles, right? It's like music. There are all mm -hmm. kinds of rhythms in there, but there's an overarching dominant rhythm, which is the Schumann resonance, or I don't, I don't honestly think much about terms. I'm all about feeling, okay. feeling what's happening, Less time up here, more time down here. That's my formula for tuning in and connecting with what's actually happening in people's bodies versus what I think should be happening. So this was a, this was tricky for me because medical school, right? The mm -hmm. whole nine yards, seven years. And then when I really get into what actually works in terms of manifesting health in the body and balance in general, I was like, oh... Yeah, it's not to be defined that way or confined. So I started tuning into my body and sometimes it would say, don't look at the chart of the patient yet. Or you just go in and with beginner's eyes, see what's there. Don't go in with an idea of what should be there, which is a little confronting for a doctor because it doesn't seem um, really 
it's not how I was taught. You know, you need to um, read data first and then uh, gather your data and then do your exam. And everything's in a very particular order. Make your conclusions last. So the scientific method kind of leaves out a lot of possibility for following uh, organically following information as it comes into the sensory body. Which I think part of the scientific method is it is all up here. It's all very academic, physical, written on paper, charts, results. It yeah. isn't really based on intuition, emotion. Well, it eliminates know. that variable, which means that's unreliable and incomplete information. And applicable, certainly, and useful in in small bands. We get into trouble when we try to apply the principles of scientific method universally across the whole terrain of life. Which I've heard repeatedly from science or academic-based people Mm -hmm. who went there because the spirit thing just was like, whatever, that's crazy. But the deeper they got into their academic realm, mm-hmm. the more they start going, oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Well, the most brilliant and accomplished scientists of the world are very yeah. metaphysical, actually, and very spiritual. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, we're in the domain of we just don't get to know, and that's kind of beautiful. Like That reminds me of Einstein's kind of childlike curiosity right. and, and, and not uh, reverence versus need to um, define and, um, yeah, linear lies. All right, so in this healing practice, is sickness and injury to be welcomed in times as part of an overall healing Oh, absolutely. I actually talk a lot about that. Did you know that or did you just... Oh, okay. Absolutely, because sickness is often a uh, kind of like warning sign or like uh, an attempt of the body to kind of alert us to, hey, being in here is actually pretty important. And if you're not in here, things are going to go not well. So I think of of illness as, as... as a communication from the body. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could talk a lot more about that if you want me to. Um, yeah, I remember I was a resident in a family practice program, and one of my fellow, I mean, we were all so trained to find the problem and fix it. Mm-hmm. And I, my, my intuition was like, there, there's more to this, guys. You know, it was me, one woman, and a bunch of guys. Whole room full of guys. It was kind of fun, no actually. Oh, God, I was so goofy and playful. I just had to be, or I'd lose my mind. Um, and I was, I know, uh, I was good at my job, too. Like, they could tease me all they want, but at the end of the day, I just nailed it. Because I had more information. I just did. I remember one time. One time this, I was putting away charts and right on the other side of the reception area. And I heard this receptionist say, well, you could schedule with Dr. So-and-so and he'll do all the latest high-tech stuff. And da, da, da. But if you actually want to get better, <laughs> you want to get on her calendar. Wow. I really, I, yeah, I was so um, honored by that. Yeah. And, and I, it, was, it was actual. 
um, yeah, because I'd had, let's see, that was 2000. I'd had maybe three or four years through my externships. Second half of medical school is where you work in clinical settings. And I had a fair amount. I made a point to get a fair amount of exposure to the different masters of different areas of osteopathy. I could have easily gone through medical school, osteopathic medical school, like most DOs, 95 plus percent, just kind of gratuitously checking boxes and doing their osteopathic requirements. And I chose to really embrace it. Like, no, I didn't choose to. It chose me. It was like, oh my God, are you serious? I have to do this whole education? It was like doubled your medical education. And I, and I remember writing about it. I was like, oh my God, I totally get it. These guys don't, you know, they think it's maybe a third of our class thought osteopathy was a cool idea. Well, no, a third of it really liked it. A third of it was like, maybe a third was like, yeah, I don't care. I just like this location. We're near the beach or, you know. And so um, of that third that was really interested, maybe, I don't know, my class was 175. Maybe 10 of us really pursued it, maybe even fewer than that. And I remember at the time totally getting it, totally getting it. And I remember thinking, if only I had a choice. <laughs> I just didn't. I, I just couldn't not know it. Um, so maybe that was one of my earlier experiences of powerful guidance um, that I don't know where that came from. Um, I wasn't particularly in my body. I was getting injured a lot. Mm -hmm. Hello, come back. And um, I actually think that that one layer back, oftentimes we do leave because we're so sensitive. Like I was born sensitive. And then in a world where people really aren't sensitive or don't recognize sensitivity, um, life can be really harsh and, and um, uncomfortable. And so, yeah, our, I would say our culture is pretty dissociated and dysfunctional despite best efforts. And that we mostly don't even know it because we're only operating on this tiny band of intelligence. And that none of it really made sense to me much until I started working on this level with the body. Like it really probably was around that time. Maybe it was my spirit saying, hey, let's put you in osteopathic school so we can start to sort out some of these things and then mostly have some fun. Because it starts to get really creative at that point. Like, oh yeah, the life and the world are are a lot. There's a lot more going on than I uh, realized. Yeah. So I opened up a whole can of worms. Yeah. I never closed it. It's still <laughs> still looking for the bottom. Do you feel like you're healthier today than you were 20 years ago? Way. Definitely. I mean, I I feel like. This whole concept of age is this certain um, <clears throat> has this certain progression and unfolding. I feel like that's very, very relative. Um, I feel like based. On, I, I feel like consciousness is just consciousness. What do I mean by that? Awareness. I mean very specific things. When my attention is connected to my body, literally, like I tune in as though I can feel every cell connected with every other cell. And that it's the attention of my awareness 
connected to my body that actually can make, create physiologic changes. Like I become aware just now, I started to feel my body and I felt heat start to build here. So that's like a reversal of decline instantly that's happening. So to the extent that our awareness is connected to our bodies, we have um, like generative, there's a generative quality happening and efficiency. It's almost like the attention sparks the electricity. The attention is perhaps the consciousness, the spirit embedding in the tissues. And then what that does is it... Um, is it? I just got distracted by that guy. <laughs> so you the tissues. <laughs> yeah, the consciousness and the tissues, and, and regenerative. Yeah, it be it. It's um, it happens. Is what I do when I'm working with a patient on the table. Like I start to feel, and I start to use my intuition to pick up on subtle resonance. Maybe I explain to them, I'm kind of like a dolphin, like in the field of this space we're in, I'm just kind of tuning into and tracking subtle harmonics. Like, yeah. Since you have a medical practice, mm -hmm. I imagine that files are part of what you have oh, yeah. to do for, okay. Mm -hmm. So you have documentation of healing people. Oh, tons. As a matter of fact, oh my gosh. Did I finish that last thought? Because we moved on. What I want to just summarize that as is when my attention can, uh, it's almost like the body starts to sense, oh, someone's paying attention and it starts to show off. And electricity can really start to move. And then the body will automatically go into this therapeutic process and, some, and often the patient can feel it. That's the cool part. It's like, yeah, I could be theoretical and explain things, but when you feel it, you don't care about the words, right? right? right. And um, and that's flow. That's when the attention sparks this electrical response. Maybe the attention is what has the spirit feel welcome and invited. And then this electricity is like static cling on a sock. In each cell of the body, there's this expansion and buoyancy and fluidity and that's when we start to really consider solid, not solid. Like, are we actually solid? And then, of course, if you understand science, you know we're not solid. You know, if you look subatomically. So, so my experience of osteopathy, and I think in Chinese medicine or yoga or any any linear, any interpretation of nature as it is as it manifests in the body, will understand what I'm talking about. And then, if we're in it and living it, we also understand. Um, experientially what I'm talking about so that's and um, that's that's flow also that is flow <laughs> okay so this image the chart thing come up more than well there's that I'm skipping that okay, you okay with that? yeah I'm totally fine with that <laughs> all right because um, this image keeps coming into mind because as you're talking about regenerative mm -hmm. regenerative generative processes mm -hmm. and the natural flow picture a flower and it dies mm -hmm. and that process of dying wilting dying dehydrating decaying and thinking of our bodies they are finite mm -hmm. so okay we're going to potentially age differently if we're more present we're also likely to be more 
kind of in sync with the whole thing and feel good about it. We're not missing out when we're fully present and fully experiencing. It's all beautiful, potentially, right? And so, yeah, we're, we're not thinking so much. We're not evaluating. We're in the moment experiencing what's happening. And if we're occupied taking things in, right, and being like just in response and wonder and curiosity, and um, it's like the eye disappears. Right, so like, for instance, for me, I've noticed, oh, wounds don't heal as quickly as they used to. Like mm-hmm. If I get a cut, I'm... Mm-hmm. You don't have as much of your consciousness present in your body. We don't. We, 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 the body slowly slows and it's run, circulating of this vital energy because it simply does. It takes work to run our energy. When we're little, it's kind of automatic. There's tons of it and we're moving around and obviously, you know, cellularly, um, we're fresher. Things do start to deteriorate, mm-hmm. right? So the whole um, business of keeping yourself vital becomes something that takes some deliberate practice and attention um, as we age, for sure. Like the people who live really long, there was that movie called Happy and looked at all the science and the people who lived really long connected a lot with family. And that was right. what I, my takeaway was, oh, yeah, we actually have to be connected and nourishing one another with that essential nutrient. I've come in my whole study of flow, like what's the, what's the element of flow? It's that thing. It's that thing where we entrain with one another. We actually share our wiring. We support one another. We... Um, ground one another and there's so much science now on co-regulation and how we help each other anchor and you know restore after an upset or simply i noticed my cat gets it the cat is like where's my love like where's my food it's to them it's the same as food to animals it's the same not all animals mammals in particular reptiles couldn't care less but um we're wired as mammals to actually be communal Right, it's a it's a scent, an essential nutrient. Um, so many studies now show this. Right, that seventy five year long Harvard study about you know what really keeps people prospering. And um, so our whole value system in this culture has not been honoring that for a long time. Right, our lifestyle we're very isolated. We compete with one another. We don't understand. And I'm just now, I'm just, I've had to rewire my mind so much. Like my practices are to think about myself to a large degree. Now, interestingly, my heritage, my, my immediate family is very, very bookish and proportionally dissociated with this, uh, intuitive, uh, layer. Uh, somehow I'm not that, but for the most part, I've, I've been one, I've been like, oh, so to the extent that we're intellectual, um, we, I've, I've seen a lot of cultures based on mind activity are less body connected and seem less emotionally literate and able to really raise children with emotional literacy and the ability to connect with one another. So a lot of us are trained from an early time to be very mentally focused and, um, Sensitive kids like myself don't do well in that environment. And so 
for the most part, uh, I have a lot of my patients who I'm simply teaching about how to reverse that uh, that um, training because, and this is my story, like I actually didn't heal till I got back into my body. I had all sorts of things going on. I mean, I got sick all the time as a kid and I would fall and hurt myself all the time and... And then I would go and get treated by whoever, physical therapist, acupuncturist, but I couldn't keep it going. So what I started to do, two things happened that were really interesting. One is I graduated from medical school and I was a basket case, but I was still had a lot of energy because I was pretty young and I was still pushing through things. And then I had a baby right out of the gate and I bought a fixer up for home and I was just so underwater it was insane and I would exercise relentlessly for relief stress relief and in the context like exercising when I wasn't really in my body I wasn't aware that I was just hammering myself I wasn't I wasn't well hydrated I wasn't connected to my emotions and so it was really a surface kind of treatment of my condition I ended up blowing a disc in my back and I didn't have time to do anything about it. I didn't have time or money or, you know, I just, and a small child, it's like I was maxed out. So this, you might say, was unfortunate. This is one of those unfortunate illnesses that really was my teacher in my life because I had to, I had, I had a little bit of training at that point. I was like, oh, I was doing continuum movement with um, Emily Conrad and my teacher, Bonnie Gintis-Dio. And I started learning about this, you know, magical thing about the attention connecting to the body and um, opening up all of this healing potential. And oh my God, the relief from, from, I mean, just instantly shifts the nervous system, connect Consciousness awareness connects to the body, the the be the organism of me, like my animal self, would instantly feel so so seen and so felt and so attended to. Not the first time. The first time I practically had an anxiety attack. It's like, oh my god, what? <laughs> like, oh, all this whole backlog of stuff. That was really interesting. But um, once I. I, 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 and I'm, I'm sort of doing it right now because, I mean, it's like you can get a full night's sleep practically in 10 minutes if you can really, really drop in. Okay, I'm exaggerating, but you know how actually studies show that meditation can be more restorative than sleep. So body meditation and my, but what I teach is what I had to do then. I had to heal myself. So I started going into basically dissolving into fluid states where I just felt I, I would tune so much to sensation and feeling and so leave my linear mind that I would become all of this. I, I was, I would, uh, yeah. So we call it, that's flow practice. It's really very literal, very, very osteopathic. And I ended up um, being, I, I had blown a whole disc in my lumbar spine on MRI it was practically gone and then in the course of yeah doing this flow practice and yes I got help and I didn't hold my treatments until I started doing my own minute by minute 
way practice of being an expanded fluid being because it's like it's like someone could reboot me it's like an engine someone could reboot you and you can be idling along and kind of you know there's 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 juice but if you don't drive it it's like a flywheel you got to keep it going so i didn't realize that and um i spent a, a, a large number of years on the heels of that disc injury after medical school being kind of um well, I'm contradicting myself because I said I didn't have time to get healing. By the time I had the kid, that's true. But I had been several years working with the injuries of my um, over-exercising. And I needed to see someone once a week or so for a good long while. Or I couldn't walk. Wow. And it wasn't until I got into my body and could actually lock in those states that people helped me create that I could sustain them and then, you know, walk away from this career patient identity. So when somebody says to me, I have to see my fill in the blank once a week, I'm like red flag, mm -hmm. you know, because when the body's ignited, it's healing in real time all the time. Okay. <clears throat> How do you think um, some of the diseases like Huntington's and Parkinson's fit into this room? I'm just having this like, I'm, I'm writing up a case study right now on a Huntington's patient. So it's, this is the first, uh, we, we did not plant this people, <laughs> we did not, but I'm so excited because I'm at, literally had this, have this patient who's willing to be discussed because she's very excited about what happened for her. Oh, amazing story. It's almost like, is this too magical to share practically? Yeah, okay. Uh, thanks for that. So about a year and a half ago, this woman was unaware of how limited she was because her decline had been so gradual. Now on the other side of, it was about once a week for the last year plus, but within three months, we even within a couple of weeks, we started seeing pretty wonderful, um, she has Huntington's, Huntington's where walking and thinking and right. her, yeah, yeah, she was going the, the, the whole thing, yeah. the genetic marker and right, right. yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so very disabled walking, very uncoordinated, um, walking and movements and strength and, um, you know, she was actually looking at physician-assisted suicide, not because, but just because it's like life wasn't great for her, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, this was not told to me at the time. And so she, she in, I don't know, a few months ago, she said, I don't know if I, I didn't realize, but compared to now, I was about 50% functioning, brain and body. And she said, I'm, I'm pretty much close to 100. Like, she swims in the bay every day without a wetsuit. She's now doing uh, paddleboarding. She's in a competition, and she's rocking it. She was telling me just the other day how she can do all these maneuvers on the board and how she hobbled her way through a competition a couple years ago just to say she did. And... Um, you know, that's on record. So uh, I'm excited because I think she's going down to San Diego this weekend, the whole same group that's of people, crazy. right? Yeah. So what happened? What right. happened? What happened? Right. What happened? This is crazy. So, yeah. so in osteopathy, okay, there's this German uh, embryologist named Blechschmidt. 
who who coined the definition of a cell as a momentary aspect of a spatially ordered metabolic process. He basically called a cell a behavior. It's not actually an object. It's a freeze frame, it's a, a snapshot of a, of a behavior, of a verb, of a something happening. And so basically the body is morphing at all times. And what did we do? We ignited that, we hyper-charged um, her with this entrained attention of both of ours, by the way. She's really good at paying attention. And um, kind of supercharged this whole electromagnetic static Klingon sock kind of field effect, piezoelectric effect, and... Um, potentiated the integration of her subtle body with her physical body. So the whole thing basically becomes not solid right in front of your eyes. I knew I was like saying, Greg, we should do this podcast on the treatment table. Maybe that'll be part two. So we can narrate for folks like what's happening because it's bona fide. It's not like vague at all. And hang on. And then, <laughs> stop talking, interviewer. <laughs> I'm not done. <laughs> so, um... So basically we would, I, I use, you know, analogies or metaphors and, and it's actually kind of literal, like micronizing and reconstituting, basically regrowing her. And my original teacher, James Jealous Dio, who passed recently, his uh, teaching writings are titled Emergence of Originality because there's an original intelligence like a blueprint in the DNA and the bioelectric mm -hmm. field that is always there. It's just we can't reach it. We can't reference it for our healing, but all healing references that. That's why, you know, wounds can restore and look like they did before. And so essentially it's like igniting, reconnecting present time back to be able to read from that, express from that blueprint. We regrew her basically, yeah. which means also her scoliosis um, resolved. Based, I, I mean, I'm actually waiting for the repeat film, X-ray. Like I have before and after MRIs and X-rays. Um, That'll be crazy right? if you get that. You're just well. You know the funny thing. She went to her neurologist at UCSF not too long ago, and she's like, "I'm like, they're like, yeah, you're, they're." I don't know how interested they really were. They seem kind of on autopilot. But she's like, my osteopath, we did all this over the past year. Don't you want to know about it? Not really. <laughs> I mean, some probably would. And um, maybe after this podcast and my publishing this paper, because yeah. I also don't think that they realized I was a physician with such an extensive background. Like medical doctors, we don't have the ability to rep. We don't say, we can't say, I heard this thing works, go try it. Like if we don't understand it and can't prove its efficacy, effectiveness, and safety, we are not at liberty to really go on record and say. Okay, I get that. Mm. But I there's been more, like look at marijuana in the um uphill climates had to just be accepted as a medicinal yes because it obviates the need for um, market driven medicine basically so does osteopathy right? right well part of what I hear you saying it's like this doctor you mentioned with the cell as a verb mm -hmm. like that's a building block that you just create miracles from life's a miracle right no one's arguing about that. Right? Some people. 
They wear red hats. And is no it magic? Well, I don't know. I mean, is nature well, magic? Well, see, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, I have a um, Shempa thing with the word magic. But, that, like, you know, semantics. Mm -hmm. Magic, miracles. Yeah, nature is miraculous. Yeah, we don't understand it, too, and we're not comfortable with that. Like, we're definitely in the realm of the undefinable. All right, so that brings up two things real quick. Let me throw mm -hmm. these two out there. That one, I was wondering, why is it seen to be an innate human nature to want to know things? I need to know this. And the other thing is, why does it seem innate human nature to be negative, to be lazy, to be angry, to be spiteful? Because we're empty. Like, if we're not connected to this, which connects us to infinity with everything, infinite resource and, and belonging, then we are in scarcity big time. It's simply negativity. Um, well, it's it's vigilance at work in the book. Yeah. So just speaking in averages, you'd say the human race has just been disconnected from mm -hmm. what it really is. Forgetting who they are. We've forgotten who we are. Because if we knew, if we remembered, we wouldn't feel, uh, we wouldn't be in lack. We wouldn't be grasping. We'd be feeling the power of giving, right? Like in more civilized cultures, I have to say that, like civilized. We're not that civilized at all. So in more civilized cultures, like Native American cultures, that their, their measure of value um, was in their ability to give to other. So for me, I'm like, wow, actually what works well in healing too, because it's not that easy to heal myself. Like, it is in some ways, like there's some parts only I can do. Like you can't, I can't outsource self-love to you, right? right? There's a certain part that I have to do, but there are certain parts only others can do. Like there's certain, it's like a tea ceremony. I pour your tea, you pour my tea. Like we need each other. We need the context of two connected beings to create enough juice and 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 maybe holding of space and regard and like feeling uh, um, this biological need to co-regulate with another being. So, so yeah. Am I strange? No, 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 not at all. I just, I was about to ask a question and then I saw the ridiculousness of the question. Because the question was, do you think that it's possible to be a self-contained entity as a human? And I thought, we're talking about flow and universe. There no, is, there is no, there is no self. self yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. But the That's illusion the that there is, is what gets us into trouble. And that's what has us feeling separate and um, lacking. And then we end up competing with one another. Okay. I do have a spark question then. Okay. Because you're a mother also. How is this intelligence working with your relationship with your daughter? Oh. <laughs> no, it's wonderful. My whole body just got hot though. This is so huge because, um, ah. Of course, you know, her dad is super, super smart, like Mensa smart guy and um, also super loving guy, maybe even more so than I was when I was. Um... Anyway, she took after him or so it thought like she was like, science is good. This is, you know, all of that woo woo stuff, mom. 
And I was like, I assume me. I am who I am. But I didn't try to like make her be me, right? And so I just let her be. And in the course of the last few years, she's just like, I can't resist it anymore. Mom, I see all kinds of stuff. So um, I'm in recovery from our culture. I feel like most of us are, if we're lucky. We're somewhere along that trajectory. And I'm just a couple steps ahead of her, and I can be here for her in that way. And she has a place to go, whereas I didn't. You know, I was like, I mean, that's not to say that I didn't. I did in the teachers and mentors that I found. But in my own family, it's been kind of tricky. So I love that now we have this together. Never, never wouldn't known, honestly. And she is so magnificent like she I, t- I told her today we're outside playing badminton in the sun I was like you do realize you're so much smarter than me like by an order of magnitude and you're you know I don't want to put too much pressure on her like you have way more magical powers than me FYI it's a generational thing you know the right. kids keep becoming more it's it's um and it's heartening because the kids really are so much more embodying of this broader, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page oh, with that. In fact, I think it's ridiculous when adults think they know better than oh, a child. Oh, I know. It's like, I know. that's not really the natural way it works. No, and that's a that's an adult yeah. coming from here. Yeah. Yeah. Lots cool been covered, yeah. The yeah. Huntington's, and there's a dear friend of mine who has Huntington's. So I know it very personally. Mm-hmm. And to hear that this woman is... doesn't matter what the illness is, though. Well, obviously, like Huntington is the worst that I can think of. Yeah, it's not great. No. But it depends on the will of the patient. They heal, They allow for... they. Their system guides the healing. Period. End of story. I can't do anything if they're not willing and receptive. Well, that's what I heard, is when you said she's very acute in her awareness. So she is working with you on that acute level. Yep. And I can tell right away now, in fact, when they call on the phone, I'm like, oh. They they think they they don't, yeah. Um, And so maybe I'll sometimes, I get a lot of calls and I send, I I can tune in now and I'm like, I'll have the image of another doctor come to mind. I'm like, oh, this is going to be probably where I'd suggest you go for now. And then if you need to consult with me later down the road, I always leave the door open. But I love that. Oh, man, let me tell you how much energy and trial and error and expense I save having my little inner compass turned on, right? So when I was in medical school, my what I was trained to do is figure out the problem, f- fix it for people, and send them on their way. Well, that was really exhausting and boring. Bro- boring more than anything. And, and when I realized... Um, yeah, I actually I started not being able to get patients in, so I started to tell them, "Well, do all this stuff I used to do, you know, as a placeholder till I can get you in the calendar." When I was having to self-resource, and then they started not needing to schedule, and I thought, "This is Eureka, right?" So when I I started to get really, um, you have so much more impact with so much less effort. Guess what that defines? Wow. <gasps> <laughs> so much more impact. Right? 
That's so much exactly. Less so my 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 practice and my body got sort of my life got into it's all one thing. And when I started to teach people like, hey, you tired of being a patient? You want to come, you know, spend all your time and money coming to see me? You can't. Actually, no, you can't. I'm not going to treat you. I'm, I don't say this to people, by the way. I'm not going to treat you if you're not doing your piece. But that's kind of just how it is because there's no point, right? Right. Um, I, um, so I'm, I'm so much more fired up. Like I was kind of on the borderline of burnout fairly early in my medical career. And then when I started shifting gears, and this is just a handful of years ago, I was like, oh, I can help so many more people if, they, if I teach them how to do this fun stuff with themselves. Like this pleasurable experience of having all of these experiences and making all of these discoveries and opening up all of this potential and turning on all of our wiring so we can really see beauty and really feel love and really feel all this and see all the scary stuff too that's part of it but it's like when you're in that um you know connected state you're beyond good and bad you're like wow that is intense Mm -hmm. like that's the lens i turn on the the condition of the world right now if i wasn't able to do that i'd be losing my mind i think right now and i think a lot of people are so I feel like um, the most compassionate thing we can do for ourselves and the planet is to come back home and, and remember who we really are. And it's fun, actually. It's intense. It's intense. It can be brutal. It can be really brutal. It's really interesting. Sometimes I go down like into dark, dark, dark places. I understand the mechanism now, the primary respiration. Right? What goes up? Let's go down. And it's like I'm dissolving deeper and deeper layers of unconsciousness. And if you look at the Vedic philosophy, this goes back in time to like, where did humanity kind of fall off the rails? And how? what is it? They call it referencing karmic traces. Like the whole kind of um, legacy of humanity having having divorced from our godliness goes back a couple thousand years. So we're actually, according to the Vedic philosophers, metabolizing all of that karma now. And I feel like, oh, you know, I'm doing my piece of that when I go down there and I connect with that um, well of unmetabolized stuff. And then I'm, uh, you know, doing... um, a lot of learning down in there and I started by I thought of this because now what happens because I understand the overarching nature of the flow of things that I, I'll see an observer aspect of me will see what's happening and I'll I'll be like oh you know maybe only 10% of me can see you're going down into the darkness and then I'll say it's okay you'll come back it's going to be good, actually. Now I'm like, oh, I want to kill myself. What magical thing is going to happen when I come out of this? Because I'll go down, some kind of crazy stuff will metabolize, and then I'll come out of it with, like, a larger sense of things. Like, I'll have I'll have insights and epiphanies. Uh, I'll see bigger. Mm. I'll have more, consci- more access to my consciousness, right. which actually never diminishes because it's always everything. Yeah. My daughter said it to me. Um, 
She said it to me. I can tell she's really, really stuck up here looping without the body connection, which is absolutely miserable, right? It's really hard to sleep. You have like all of these really, um, you know, she's kind of got a lot of anxiety. And I, but there's a part of me that knows this is part of... I didn't know it here because it doesn't make sense what I'm about to say. My body said... This is part of her forging of her um, faith in some kind of... Uh, she needs to go through this. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, oh, I was happy that she shared it with me. That's really hard. But there's something more powerful and alive under it that's needing to be um, somehow tapped into by necessity through this experience she's having. I don't really know. That's a story. But uh, I felt okay about it because something deeper had me do that. Yeah. Yeah. There's someone in my life that had a very dark night of the soul. My hope is that they're empowered by it, but there's a part of me that's like, it may not be this lifetime. I know. Say la vie. We just don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. I mean, you know, we're... I just um, increasingly over time um, kind of separate uh, the value of good and bad or it's just not black and white. It's not clear, you know, there are ancient Chinese stories about how, uh, you know, the, the so such and such and such bad happens and everybody thinks it's terrible mm -hmm. and but that's the one thing that keeps the guy from being drafted to mm -hmm. go to the military or whatever. It's like exactly. Right. Yeah. Is there anything that hasn't been spoken of that you'd like to? Uh, well, I want people to know that I'm having a really good time on <laughs> Facebook, which, you know, Facebook, ugh, we got the darkness and the light going all over, over the place. But Facebook's been a really useful but, and Facebook has, is where I have a study group where it's just open, you know, actually now I just made it a private group, but because okay. we're getting down into the nitty gritty, it's all really right. fun. But where I'm practicing talking about all these things and I don't feel too, I do, I do want to do, I'm doing a, um, a book and a teaching course. I run it once for doctors and now I'm going to run it, I think beginning in July for everybody. Like, these are the pieces. This is how I do it in the fun, most fun and easy way. All my self-healing pieces, um, enjoyment and pleasure focused. I think I'm going to call it ecstatic healing. But anyway, it's in incubation. And everyone, anyone is invited to be a part of that group. And I take questions and I sometimes go on live Zooms and have discussions with people in interesting areas of flow and healing and recovered breathing um, this kind of heart awareness business. We cover um, dynamic movement and, and sitting and walking. Like, how can you live and flow in every moment of your life effortlessly, right? And with a lot of enjoyment, because that's all actual, that's a thing. And uh, yeah, I'm getting really excited right now as we're talking about. So that's the study group on Facebook called Osteopathic Flow Practice Study Group. And then I'm um, doing various lectures here and there, but I'll be coming out with soon, you know, my, this, this class, I taught it, you know, what's it call it? 
uh, mindfulness through an osteopathic lens or something really, you know, official because I got continuing medical education credits for it. Um, but now I'm going to turn it into something a little bit more fun sounding <laughs> and um, span the vocabulary. So like I want to use lay terminology and medical terminology and kind of demystify because, you know, it's like this is not esoteric science. This is very basic, very basic connecting with our innate wisdom senses abilities the same kind we used as more primitive less civilized the same kind we used as more civilized people when we you know knew how to find where the food was and what the weather was doing what the predators were doing our basic natural instinctual senses and getting back to what those are the discovery of what we really belong to and um yeah, it's evolving and I'm, I'm getting a lot of um, reflection and feedback and participation from people, which is making, it's not, I'm not, I did the first class in a vacuum. I was like, this isn't what, <laughs> you know, so now it's become more of a communal effort and it's a lot of fun. Are we done? We're done. All right. Well, thank you for having me. My pleasure. Yeah, it was really fun. Very cool. Namaste. Namaste, motherfucker. <laughs>